love me, baby. Why don't you love me like you said you would? Why don't you love me, baby? Why don't you love me, baby? Why don't you love me instead of leaving me here? Hauling on with my lonely blues. You got your elbow back. You got your but you don't, but you don't talk. Oh no, no you don't. Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you go, baby? I did uh, listen to the people that have reached out, and they said I cut it too short on the guitar intro and outro and stuff. So uh, that was one I personally wrote, and I figured uh, I figured uh, you know Bobby Flack was he was the uh, artistic type, so he would appreciate the uh, music that I personally wrote like that. So whatever. Anyways, um, also I want to uh, give a shout out to the Ohana Family Foundation. Uh, that is a foundation that has started recently as well to kind of help out with the same issues um, along the same lines as what uh, we're doing here at the Flack Foundation. So, um, you know, I had the opportunity to meet with a lady named Nicole, kind of hear, uh, you know, a lot of the science that they're using to kind of back up uh, what they're trying to do to help um, solve the issues that, that uh, we're going through. So the plan for the first three episodes for me uh, to start off was you know, WTFs, PTSD. For this second episode, we're going to take it a step further. Uh, so we're talking about veterans, addiction, and drugs, both illegal and prescribed, right? Now, with that said, it's definitely important to talk about the issues that we're truly facing, Check. Um, you know, most veterans will tell you that it wasn't the actual combat that bothered them. You know, if anything, that was probably an adrenaline rush for them. Uh, it, it's really the moral injury that ends up doing so much more damage. What I mean by that is, uh, you know, we're actually experiencing and witnessing um, what are true horrors. And to, to us are things that we don't want anybody that we care about to have to witness or to have to experience. Now, it's important to remember that war wasn't all bad. In fact, we found a lot of purpose there. A lot of us felt that, that we were valuable, that we were needed, because our friends did depend on us, and they depended on all of us doing an excellent job so we could try and make it home, because that was the point, and that's all that mattered. Many of us would do it all over again, because the fact is that we would rather be in, in a combat zone with our brothers than here, because after that, once you get back home, you feel lost. You don't have that brotherhood. You don't, you don't have those individuals that completely rely on you in order to stay alive, in order to make it home. The fact of the matter is that it's almost like a high that you experience with your combat buddies. And it's a high that you can't replace. It's one that when you get out of the military, you, you're suddenly searching for again. You know, that's how so many of us end up in law enforcement and fire and EMS and things like that. 
because we're searching for for a brotherhood that that makes up the same consistency in our lives as our combat buddies but we can't and so we're constantly searching for that high and that's that is what leads us to our issues uh, with drug addiction partially um, many of us are searching for that high we're, we're looking for that escape uh, we also used our combat buddies as the one as the one individual we could truly release everything that was on our mind and it was good for us mentally and and when that is no longer there you no longer have that individual that you trust enough to share those mental thoughts that you're going through so suddenly you're just stuck with that in your head and so we're searching for that same high of that brotherhood we're searching for that high that lets us release all of that negativity and all of the hate and everything else that's just built up in our mind. Now, it's important for me to go back and talk about the moral injury that I had mentioned earlier. So what do I mean by moral injury? What I mean by that are the things that we've seen in, in a combat zone that are just beyond uh, any, anything that could be in your worst nightmares. It's where you experience what these people in these other countries are going through. You know, that's part of the reason that so many of us get angry at American citizens, you know, because, you know, we think that you don't realize how good you've had it because we know how bad it's been. So let me ask you, if you had to hold back a mob of women and children who were screaming for food, how would you handle it? If you witnessed a woman that was scorched, holding on tightly to her child, what would you do to erase that from your memory? If you've had to make the decision to continue driving your vehicle with the child on the road because he could have an IED on his chest because they knew that we would stop for children, how would you forgive yourself if you didn't stop? The fact is that when your eyes have seen what your heart can't forgive, that shit just doesn't go away. It's not that easy. Now, I told you guys, I'm a genius Jarreen because I did my math for Marines. So I can do the two plus two to add up the last two things we were talking about. So you can see that when we've experienced such a moral injury, like, the truly things that that we can't even register as reality almost. You can share that with those people that experience those same things. And it's, it makes it a little bit easier. But at the same time, when that goes away, and we no longer have our combat buddies, and we're no longer in the combat zone where we can, can completely focus on something else, we start to develop that monster inside. Let's also look at the science behind that. You know, neuroscientists have seen through MRI that the brain isn't even fully developed until about the age 25. Specifically, the prefrontal cortex, which revolves around your behavior. 
And if we're thinking about that age, let's point out the fact that you can enlist and be drafted at 18 years old. That doesn't make much sense there, does it? Now, if you're tracking like a tank, that should make about as much sense as half of what you hear on the Lance Corporal Underground. Now, everything that I've just described to you helps to show why a drug or alcohol may be the only way that we feel like we can escape. So let's look at how the VA has helped that out. From 2001 to 2009, you know the highlight years of the Iraq War, the percentage of veterans at the Veterans Healthcare Administration were receiving uh, opioid prescription rates increasing from 17% in 2001 to 24% in 2009. Not just that. The overdose rates of veterans increased to 21% in 2016, and that was up from 14% in 2010. Uh, Now, if you ask me, 14% was way too fucking many to begin with, huh? Now, with that said, the VA was proud in 2020 to say that between 2012 and 2020, they had reduced the prescription narcotic rate uh, by 64%. Now, I told you guys that I was a paramedic after I was in the Marine Corps, and, you know, I did deal with, with a lot of narcotic overdoses. And I can tell you that there were so many people that did become a user of an illegal substance like heroin and fentanyl when that started coming out. That addiction started with some sort of like narcotic opioid normally. Now with that said, let's look back at those numbers. Ten years ago, about one out of every four veterans receiving health care at the VHA were receiving narcotics. How do you think that's doing now now that we've reduced that prescription rate and they're no longer getting that drug from a doctor. Outside of illicit drugs, we also have to remember that alcohol is one of the key components to substance use disorders, um, especially for active duty because you are, um, you know, uh, randomly drug tested um, fairly often. So, You know, the use of illicit drugs are less common in the military, whereas alcohol you can get away with. Um, Now, with everything that we've talked about, we can see how drugs and alcohol are more than just a a good time, essentially. They're actually used to help um, get through these troubling experiences that we've been through and, and to find maybe an escape. Now, to put the icing on this green weenie pie, let's, let's remember that on active duty, mental health care was, was so negatively put down that, you know, receiving mental health care at all meant that you were going to see the wizard, it meant that you were crazy, that, that you weren't able to continue with your active duty, um, that you were the weakness, that you were the weak link. Now, it seems to me like we're just adding Willie Peter all over that recipe for disaster. Now, let me add to that and talk about my own personal struggles. You know, after my deployment to Afghanistan, I dealt with, uh, you know, like Survivor's Guild along with, you know, some other issues that I was already dealing with. 
Um, you know, for me, alcohol became a way that I was able to sleep at night, uh, that I was able to relax my mind, that I was able, able to, to take off everything that was uh, destroying any sense of a normal life. It added fuel to the fire that was my personal life around that. I began to sink deeper into that hole. As that went on, uh, you know, I started to drink later and later, and I would drink more and more. Uh, you know, funny thing about that, Gunny don't like when you show up to formation drunk in the morning. So that led me in the SARPS program, which is the Substance Abuse Rehab Program. Um, for the active duty, you know, I, I had to do a breathalyzer uh, every morning. I did the 12 steps, uh, all those kind of shenanigans checked. Now, with that, alcohol became embedded in my mind as an escape. And so for several years after that, I would go through stages where, you know, I felt like, oh, sure, you know, I can have one or two drinks. I can control myself as long as I don't have too many, and then it gets crazy. But at that same time, there would be times where I was going through something personally, and it, and it drove me to drinking emotionally. Now, that's just my story, but what about every other veteran? What about everything they've been through? You know, we don't, we don't talk about this. We don't discuss it. Even as far as veteran addiction, you know, you don't see anything about that. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to address it. And, and we're still struggling in that department. Because when we are younger, we, we are finding these ways to escape the things that we have been through, the, the true traumas in our minds. We're, we're able to escape that. And that's the only thing that we know how to get out. Because when you go to the VA, you know, uh, they want to talk about a prescription for medication all the time, man. A study in the National Library of Medicine points out that, you know, for PTSD, 80% of veterans are prescribed medication. And out of those, you've got 89% that are on antidepressants, right? We've also got 61% on sedative hypnotics, as well as 34% on antipsychotics. So we can see that, you know, the general treatment for PTSD at the VA is treating the symptoms, not the actual illness. Now, I say illness because th that's what these nasties say in this study. Now, with that, it's important to realize that we should be identifying PTSD different. It's not an illness. It's not a mental disorder. It, it's a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. And when you go to the VA, they're just shoving pills on your throat. So if that's the case, then it's an option between that or maybe an illicit drug. The only difference is that the one the doctor gives you makes you feel like crap all the time. Now, I mentioned how Bobby was an artist, and there's this one picture and that I'm pretty sure he drew uh, that he shared you know, a while back that really spoke to me then. And 
you know, I uh, I checked out again after after we lost him this year, you know. Um, but it was a picture of a skull, and in that skull were just a whole bunch of pills. And, you know, when I look at that, I don't just see that. I feel that. I know exactly what he meant. I know exactly how he felt. Because I felt like that. So many other veterans feel like that. You see, we go through these moral injuries and, and all this jacked up stuff. And then we come back and then we're expected to just live life like normal. Where all of that insanity that we experienced in our life is suddenly taken away. But so are the ones that we depend on. So then, then what do we depend on? We go to the VA looking for help. What do we get? Now here's some pills. That'll make you feel better. That is where drugs and alcohol step in. And they become a way to handle those issues that we're dealing with, with those demons. With all of that said, you know, it is important to note that the VA has really come a long way in the last few years. Um, they're doing, they're trying to do more uh, to help out veterans, and, you know, I understand uh, what they're trying to do. Uh, just the fact is it's, it's not working, right? Um, so... Uh, you know, on that same note, I also want to say that, you know, uh, drugs are not completely negative, you know, using medications in the appropriate manner. Uh, you know, I've uh, read a lot of research as far as uh, using cannabis and uh, um, uh, microdosing, uh, psychedelic mushrooms and LSD even. Um, as wild as that sounds, there is science there to help out with things like PTSD. Um, we'll get we'll get into that more in a in a later episode, but the general idea of what we're getting at today is that uh, addiction is a common issue for us. It's a, it's a common way to release after you know the PTSD and and the issues that we are facing, you know, from our service and and all of those demons that we have built up on the inside. So with all that said, uh, look, you know, I, I'm here for you in any way that I can be. Uh, you know, reach out at the foundation on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you know, um, uh, I'll also be talking about, uh, you know, some suicide lines as far as like, uh, you know, the uh, Ohana Family Foundation. They're working on, uh, uh, you know, making another line outside of the, um, the VA line. Uh, also, uh, I believe it's called um, Stop Soldier Suicide. Uh, that's local to me in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, they also have a, a number that you can call 24-7 to, uh, uh, to talk if you're having issues like that. Uh, so with everything, you know, uh, especially as far as addiction, you know, it is, it, it's not easy to overcome. Uh, but we're here for you. Uh, we've been through the same thing, me and the veterans that I'm working with here. Um, you know, so... Uh, my heart goes out to you guys, and uh, I appreciate you tuning in today. Recording this podcast and 
rattling the cages is the least that I can do for Flax's sake. 